There's been quite a bit of rumor about alleged bad behavior at DCG, including Grayscale and Genesis. And there's been a movement to basically get together all of the shareholders of GBTC as activists to be able to take some power over what's happening at the company. Some of that is being led by David Bailey, who also happens to lead Bitcoin Magazine, Bitcoin Miami 2023, the guy throwing the biggest Bitcoin conference in the world in just a matter of weeks. We talked about all this and more in this conversation today. That's dope. So I want to talk about GBTC um, because I know that you've taken sort of an activist position with that uh, for full transparency. And everyone knows I, I'm an early investor in Valkyrie. And I know, you know, Steve uh, shared some of the ethos of how, how to uh, handle that situation alongside you. What's going on with uh, GBTC now in, in your mind and, and what's your approach to it? Yeah, so it's a complicated situation. Um, you know, first off, overall, I would say like my perspective on the issue, and this is something that we got pulled into, not something that I wanted to be involved in or I intended to be involved in, but we kind of just got pulled into it. Um, you know, what Barry and DCG was effectively doing was not very dissimilar to what uh, SBF and FTX and Alameda were doing. And um Ultimately, he was taking money out of out of one entity to feed into another entity where, you know, he had his own shit coin that was able to absorb that money. And then he was able to profit off the top into his slush fund, which is the holding company and, and deploy that into venture bets or real estate or whatever. So, uh, you know, the scale of the situation is roughly $10 billion uh, has been lost to the assets that are in the, the portfolio. They haven't been lost, but the, what it's trading as is roughly... 40% discount to the assets in the trust. Um, and so the scale of the situation is like a million people are out $10, $10 billion. So we're talking about a situation like on the same level and scale as FTX and, and um, Alameda. So like that's the, the state of play. Um, the two, like, you know, to cut to the end, I guess, the two most pressing relevant things that are happening right now. One is you have this bankruptcy occurring uh, at Genesis that is kind of like dates are starting to collide um, where uh, basically Barry needs to pony up money to the Genesis creditors that he doesn't have. And unless he's able to strike some sort of deal with them, um, there's going to end up being a, a default by DCG and uh, ultimately a DCG bankruptcy and the Genesis creditors will become the new owners of DCG. So from the grayscale perspective, if you're trying to get a deal done to be able to redeem your, your Bitcoin out of the trust, right now you have to negotiate with Barry. But in that set of situations unfolding, which like, again, the, the deadline for that to all unfold is like the next month, if he's going to make good on this, this debt or not. Um, now we'd actually be doing a deal with the Genesis creditors who are easier to work with, let's say. So um, that's like one relevant item. The other relevant item is um, around uh, litigation that's happening. Specifically, there's one lawsuit that's being brought uh, by the Alameda estate, um, which is now represented by John Ray of kind of Enron fame and uh, Quinn Emanuel, which is one of the best law firms in the country. And they're basically suing on a variety of fronts. But uh, the thing that's like relevant to the all shareholders is kind of this fee argument that basically in the trust documents, um, Grayscale as the sponsor had this duty to uh, monitor and renegotiate fees uh, consistently, regularly, 
um, to ensure that shareholders were getting the best rates for everything. And um, if you you know look at the trust, like the fees are the same today, you know, with $25 billion under management as they were when there was $50 million under management. So like this is the most profitable trust like in the world. These these fees are completely whacked out. And so their argument is like, okay, hey, show us the the board minutes and the meeting minutes and the decision making process that you guys ran to determine that your your rates that you're charging are competitive. Because if you didn't do that, then you weren't in compliance. You you breached the contract that you signed with the shareholders. You weren't in compliance with what you said you were going to do for shareholders. And we need to claw back $1.5 billion in ill-gotten fees uh, that you owe shareholders, which is a substantial sum relative to the total. I mean, that's that's almost 10% of the value of the trust right now. So that has uh, already been filed. And there's kind of, um, uh, let's say, looming deadlines for that going to, to, to court. And that case will be like most likely resolved this year. So it's like a, a fairly time sensitive thing. And our kind of focus right now is getting the biggest shareholders educated about the action, talking to them about whether they want to join Alameda um, in that complaint. It's interesting. I spoke to Sun and Shine not that long ago. And he made the contention, uh, which seemed compelling at the time, that they were a completely separate entity and effectively the GPTC itself had nothing to do with Genesis. There was no, that, that there was a wall, right? Uh, and sounds like that's not necessarily the case in your opinion. So, you know, what I was talking about with the bankruptcy, that specifically, <clears throat> there isn't a wall between Genesis and DCG. They, they owe this, line, this, this credit. <clears throat> and, you know, what I would respond back to on that is like, first off, uh, you know, all these loans that were not disclosed to investors where they're basically allowing firms like BlockFi and Three Arrows and Alameda and Celsius to take shares in the trust and use them as collateral to borrow against, where then they could take the cash they borrowed and put more money into the trust. Um, every one of those transactions and the loan documents from every one of those transactions had to be signed off on by Michael Shonerstein. If you look at the loan agreement from Three Arrows to Genesis, at the bottom of that loan agreement is Michael Shonestein's signature. So how he can claim that he was unaware of what was going on or that was completely separate, he had to approve each transfer of those shares, those restricted shares. He knew exactly who the counterparties were. He knew exactly the details of the loan. So that's just bald face, not true. The second thing I would say is like, you know, if, if Grayscale didn't actually care about the problems of DCG, like if DCG's problems weren't Grayscale's problems, then the path for Grayscale to fix the situation is very straightforward. Like they're able to immediately start offering redemptions, offer redemptions on some, you know, prorated amount or some, you know, defined window. Hey, 20% can redeem once a year, you know, and it's going to take five years. We're going to lower fees from 2%, which is of NAV, which is absurd, to 1% of NAV, which is Still absurd. expensive. Yeah, still absurd. Slightly but, less absurd. Yes. But at I least feel investors that. wouldn't be like suing you for fraud and like, you know, uh, uh, provide basic transparency and shareholder rights so that you you give some governance rights to to your, your shareholders so that they can hold you on, like accountable and, and be honest. If they did those simple things, they would still be a billion dollar company. Like, like that would they would still be making a hundred million dollars plus a year in fees. They'd still have a million customers in their trust product. Like they'd still be a, a fantastic company. The problem is, is that, you know, when you're making $400 million a year in fees, $100 million in fees doesn't cut it for DCG because they need $1.7 billion to make good on all their debts. So like, like that's where the perverse incentives are coming in. Like DCG needs 
they robbed this piggy bank. And so Grayscale has to operate as a piggy bank rather than operating as an independent business that's trying to do, you know, fulfill their fiduciary duty to their shareholders and their customers. So, you know, uh, that's what I would push back on. And like, they're going to lose the whole trust because they're exploiting it to such a a vast degree um, when they, you know, they don't have to do that. Just do the right thing by customers. It's pretty simple. So much to parse there in my mind. So when we were in Dubai at the Satoshi Roundtable, I crashed a meeting with the Three Arrows guys who did not expect me to be there and weren't so happy about it um, because I'm a Voyager creditor. Um, but uh, And so, I, and I asked Kyle a lot of these questions, actually. And to be honest, I thought my bullshit meter was kind of flying left and right, but it aligns very much with what you're telling me. Yeah, I mean, so uh, I've gotten the chance, like, first off, Three arrows owes me money. So I think we lost a hundred bitcoins in three arrows, which I'm not happy about. And like, no, you know, I want my Bitcoin back. Okay. But uh, I did get the chance to see Kyle in, in Dubai as well on that trip. And, um, you know, uh, as we've been kind of uh, battling away at, at uh, uh, GPTC, he's been uh, someone we've gone to to try to ask questions about the relationship between the two entities. And, you know, um, for better or worse, like I would say the answers that he's given us, you know, it's like I, he tweeted one time. It's like, hey, if somebody called you up and was like, hey, please take a billion dollars from me in, in a credit line, you know, That's exactly, would, exactly what he no? told me when I asked him about Voyager. <laughs> I said, I said to him, what lie did you tell Steve Ehrlich to get him to give you seven hundred million dollars for nothing? He said, I swear, like on everything. He called me and said, I have seven hundred million dollars. Please take it. I need to earn yield. And it seems like that's what everybody was doing. Like this chase for yield just sent all that money somehow funneling into three arrows. But, you know, so like I... He, he, he had a more aggressive tact than you do about DCG, to be quite honest, to the point where I was like uncomfortable sitting there hearing about it. <laughs> I mean, uh, you know, I, I'm toning it down a little bit, but uh, the, yeah. the DCG stuff is, I I think crimes were definitely committed and and uh, there's there's going to be... That's what he said. I mean, that's, yeah. that was, yeah. And he said, yeah, yeah, I know, because I saw it. But uh, yeah, I, you know, I try not to pander in tin hat too much. I guess that will all play out. So, but then I guess the next na- next natural question is, what are you actually doing about it, right? I mean, we talk about taking this activist view. Does that mean basically hoarding GPTC to become a larger shareholder to have an impact on the process and be- effectively be able to gain control? <clears throat> well, so you know, our our goals are laid out on the website redeemgbtc.com, and anyone who's listening to this. Go check out the site. It's just a simple site. It has like our our uh, four goals listed on the site and a sign up form if you have shares to reach out to us to to be connected and and get more updates, etc. But um, so please go to that site and and, and sign up. Um, so you know, our our goals are straightforward. We just want to re- reduce the discount and we want to we want this thing to trade at the value of the assets that it's holding. Um, and we think ultimately for that to be achieved, there needs to be a redemption process. And so uh, we think, you know, we've lost confidence that the redemption strategy that Grayscale says they're pursuing, which is this SEC lawsuit and this ETF strategy is real. We don't think it's real. We think it's all bullshit. And it's a, it's a ploy to delay as they extract excessive, excessive and absorbent fees. You know, so our strategy right now is just to basically be a, a central party connected to all the different shareholders. Like this thing has a ton of shareholders. And before we got involved and put up this site, no one knew who the other shareholders were. Like you can go on Bloomberg and you can see some of them, but that's a very inaccurate list of shareholders. Um, and so uh, when we put up this site, I mean, we've had 4,000 investors reach out to us at this point, uh, representing um, well over 30% of all the shares, 35% of the shares. 
So, uh, and a lot of these shareholders are large institutions with fantastic law firms and lots of resources. So each of them are kind of running their own strategy in parallel of like what they're trying to accomplish. So, you know, we're tiny in the scheme of things. I think we have like a, like a, a $5 million position or something in, in GPTC right. compared so to some of you guys. Connect, like, it's more about connecting exactly. the existing ones than buying it up per se and taking control. Exactly. Exactly. That makes perfect sense. And you talked about this all sort of coming due. That's because of the massive, basically, loans within the company that are owed, correct? <clears throat> yeah. So that's that's on the Genesis side, uh, the loans. And then there's litigation that's going to court. And this is like uh, uh, Delaware Chancellery Court. So, you know, Delaware, there's a reason everyone incorporates their companies in Delaware. It has the best legal system for corporate yeah. corporate litigation. It's not just the protection side, also like shareholder side. Like if you want us to, like it, it, like, they take it super seriously. Things move very quickly. So it's not like doing in New York where you could be bogged down in five years of litigation. Like if it's a straightforward contract issue, like it's going to be heard and it's going to be decided on pretty quickly. So uh, it's the right court to go to battle in. Um, so anyway, th- those those kind of court deadlines, like cases start getting heard. Judges have already been assigned. And, did, you know, that, that these things get adjudicated pretty quickly if they're if the case is straightforward. But the overall like timeline for getting this trust redeemed, it's however long it takes. Like, you know, um, if it takes three years, five years, whatever, ultimately, if we don't get this redemptions turned on for this trust, there's 630,000 Bitcoin sitting in this trust. They're just going to be drained down to zero over time. Like, so, you know, that's 3% of the world's supply of Bitcoin. It's the single largest holding of Bitcoin that exists. So, um, we really don't have any choice but to fight tooth and nail on behalf of shareholders until this thing is is redeemed. What a shit show! Absolutely. Speaking <laughs> Absolutely. of things that are not, yeah. So, so speaking of things that are less <laughs> of a shit show, pivoting on to happier things. Got a pretty big conference coming up. Yeah, yeah I, I don't know if I wouldn't say there's no shit show element uh, involved in that. It's always when we get down to twenty days away from the the conference, it's a, a full steam sprint to execute and get everything pulled off. Um, but yeah, we're, uh, uh, we are deep into the execution stage and now we're in the try not to drop any balls stage, uh, uh, of the planning. Yeah. I mean, it's the biggest Bitcoin conference in the world, obviously, I guess Germano told me it'll be the second biggest because obviously bear market first bull market last year yeah. was going to be a bigger conference, yeah. but I have to imagine that last year became such a overwhelming beast to some degree that you probably a sigh of relief to be able to do it the way you're doing it this year. Oh yeah. No, I mean, uh, like last year was like, uh, I don't even know how to explain what last year, last year's was like, but we had 26,000 people last year, this year, we're going to be about half that size. So let's call it 13,000. Um, the, you know, this conference, like I talking to the companies, the customers, everyone's broke. It's just like, that's the thing. Like, it's like, everyone's broke right now. But the beauty of this movement, the beauty of Bitcoin is like, we don't give a fuck if we're broke. It was never about the riches. It was never about the Lambos. Like this thing started by, were started by people that were broke. You know, it was built by people that were broke. And, you know, like if, if like the powers that be think that, okay, price goes down and they're going to demotivate this movement, they have no fucking clue who, who they're dealing with, what type of psychopaths we are. Like we're all in. Like they don't understand. We're all in. So, um, you know, personally, I dig the bear market vibes. I, I dig the builder focus vibes. Um, and, you know, uh, we're we're excited. We have some some juicy stuff coming out this week on speakers. Uh, there'll be some controversial speakers announced, but uh, 
yeah, we're, we're, uh, uh, it's going to be awesome. And, and, you know, I also like, I'm sure your listeners have seen some of the drama online as well, but like, we take our like responsibility of building a Bitcoin conference very seriously. Like we, we feel like there has to be an event and a platform for the entire industry to come together, to focus on Bitcoin, focus on the things that unite us as a, as a community. And, you know, we built this conference. We started in uh, Bitcoin 2019, the block wars had just happened. And, you know, our thought process when we started, it was like, okay, the block wars are over. Bitcoin cash is not Bitcoin. There's a lot of great Bitcoin Cash, you know, developers and investors out there that ultimately are going to come back to Bitcoin and are good people. You know, they were just wrong on it. On They're just wrong. That's it. People are wrong about things all the time. And Welcome so, uh, yeah, exactly. And so we're going to build an event where, like, we don't care what side of the block wars you were on. We don't care if you were pro Bitcoin Cash or pro Big Block. Doesn't matter to us. All we care about is that when you come through the door and you participate in the event, you are totally focused on Bitcoin, like Nakamoto consensus, not hard forked Bitcoin. And, um, and like, not like Bitcoin.com Bitcoin. Exactly. So, but even Roger, every year I, I I make sure I give an invite to Roger to come to the conference as long as he will abide by the conditions and, you know, good on him. He tells me I'm not going to abide by those conditions. So he doesn't come, but like, uh, uh, like, so we, we take that seriously though. And so, you know, this year, uh, you know, we we have uh, been we've embraced ordinals. We've embraced all parts of the community that, from our perspective, like is happening on Bitcoin. It is part of Bitcoin. You may not like it. You may not get it. You may not be part of it, but it's part of the Bitcoin ecosystem. And so, um, you know, we are we're trying to be the place where, you know, uh, all parts can come together and then they can they can consume the ideas that underpin Bitcoin, the, the Bitcoin OG vibes of freedom of uh censorship resistance you know of of fucking free market economics austrian economics like we're trying to take these old ideas and make them consumable for a new generation of bitcoiners and so yeah there will be there'll be a little bit of drama around that because you know not everyone agrees with that take but frankly we don't care if people agree that's our take and that's what we're going to build that's what we think the bitcoin community needs can you give us any, uh, you know, hints or clues as to what kind of massive announcements or guests we might see? Anyone you've announced that we that you can discuss that people don't know about yet? <laughs> I saw you going to war with Greenpeace. That was fun. Yeah. So, you know, we we actually tried really hard to get the uh, Skull of Satoshi to the conference, and uh, Greenpeace has like locked it down. The the artist is under a contract, and yada yada. But like, evidently. Um, like we were down to like pay for the the school of Satoshi and everything to come and, and bring it to the event. We're we're pretty sure we're gonna get protested at the event by Greenpeace. And they're actually gonna bring the school of Satoshi on their own dime to protest us. So it's like, okay, like you're not gonna allow us to put it inside the conference, but instead you're gonna park it outside outside the conference for free. Okay, okay, thanks, guys. So uh, you know, they still don't exactly get that, you know, I don't think they really understand what they signed up for this whole change the code thing. But um, yeah, there's some big announcements we've already put out there, uh, like uh, Samson Mao, uh, I think is is I think he's the one who's speaking with um, uh, this guy, this governor from Indonesia. People do not want to miss this. I, I think you might have our next uh, Bukele-esque announcement. Um, we have a, a piece of content that we haven't announced yet. It's going to be on Bitcoin is uncensorable. Fuck you money. Uh, that's going to be a highly controversial discussion. Uh, 
We have all your, your favorite Bitcoin bulls. We got Michael Saylor here this year, uh, you know, talking about how uh, micro, micro strategy is definitely financially solvent. Nothing to worry about. <laughs> yeah, I, I have him on. Yeah, we've had him on quite a few times. He, yeah. It's almost like he laughs that question off at this point. He's like, come on, man. Like, we just went to 15. We're fine. Can you all not see that? Uh, the evidence is now like, really right out there in the open. Yeah. Or wasn't yeah, he supposed dude. to get liquidated at 27, yeah. at 24? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 20 was it, man. No chance, well, right? Dude, Miami is his stopping ground. So uh, uh, it, we always appreciate him uh, being a part of the event. And um, uh, yeah, I think we're, we have a, a presidential uh, nominee that we're going to be announcing today. But I don't want to, I don't want to uh, share the name. So, uh, hmm. Stay looking early. at Twitter. Stay looking at Twitter. <laughs> to, to the Bitcoin Magazine account? Is that where we're going to sure, see it? Sure. Bitcoin Magazine or the Bitcoin Conference. Uh, or your absolutely. favorite Bitcoin personality, because I'm sure they're all going to be either cheering it on or booing it uh, as soon as we announce it. <laughs> Can't we all just get along, right? The old, the old words of Rodney King. It's like, <laughs> yeah. it used to just be uh, Bitcoiners versus you know, shitcoiners. But the, this year has really been the year of Bitcoiners turning on each other and sort of cannibalizing the community for the reasons you said, whether it's ordinals or yeah. Whenever the price is down, people start feeling salty, and and I and I feel like, you know, for those that have been around a really long time, like uh, you don't see the same level of of division because it's like, like you realize that like your journey in this in this industry, it's it's. It's a journey. It's an intellectual journey and it evolves and changes over time. You learn new things and you change your opinion on things. And like you realize you didn't know what you thought you knew. Like that's part of the, the process. <laughs> but uh, I think there's a generation of Bitcoiners that are that are new and, you know, they see criticism of Bitcoin as like something that can't be tolerated because it like it, it, it maybe they're insecure about about Bitcoin's you know role or maybe they're insecure about what's going to happen to Bitcoin. And it's like you can say yeah, that I can't. I say that and got, I get absolutely destroyed. You're allowed to say that. You're in there. Dude, there's nothing to be insecure about. It's like conviction means bring on the hardest criticisms. Bring on like nothing's going to hurt Bitcoin. It's like uncover all the warts oh and the God. wounds and talk about it. So like talking to myself. I, you know, and like yeah, I had uh recently a friend of mine who's a I would almost describe as toxic maxi. He might even uh, deem himself as such. I did a panel and it was some people that were talking about the uh, benefits of Ethereum. And he, I got these very angry messages from him that it was an attack on Bitcoin. And I was like, no, actually, they're all Bitcoiners. Like, they all like Bitcoin. I said, nobody attacked it. And he said, any talk of Ethereum is an attack on Bitcoin. And I just don't get it, man. Like, that seems like, a, that seems like you're coming from a position of defensiveness and insecurity rather exactly. than a position yeah. of strength. That's like, my opinion we, on it. If it's not an Bitcoin, attack, if you... Yeah, go ahead. 100%. Bitcoin beats Ethereum on the merits. Like, sure. the more we talk about Ethereum, the more we can just make the case for Bitcoin beating it on the merits. And, like, the places where Ethereum maybe has a leg up on Bitcoin, like, that's not an in-perpetuity state. That's just, like, a, a current status. So then the conversation is like, okay, well... How do we achieve those things? And, you know, I, I, we were on a Twitter spaces the other day, but uh, together talking about this. But, you know, uh, I fundamentally don't buy that, you know, Bitcoin lacks the ability to do anything any other protocol can do. Right. You know, like we, we've, we've battled this out. What we, what we determined from that battle was like Bitcoin's going to get built in layers. There's a certain way to go about development on Bitcoin, but not that like those layers aren't able to achieve the same thing people think they can achieve at these other protocols. So, you know, I think the the future of Bitcoin development, the future of Bitcoin functionality, like we're at the infant, like we're at like the start of human civilization. 
and it's like yeah. you know <laughs> it's gonna evolve to such an unbelievable degree it's like i don't understand what what people are even arguing about and i mean it's like it, it's okay to disagree with people too it's okay to disagree it's okay to be wrong it's okay to change your mind i i was joking just very recently like i consider myself a bitcoin bitcoiner because i view everything else as something completely separate it's my own view whatever i'm very passionate about bitcoin and i said at the very least you have to admit that it's a test net for bitcoin because all the things that we're now saying the point you just made that will bitcoin will catch up it will be built here well had to be tested somewhere else first right because it wasn't built here in the first place that's a and b i came in as a trader because I found like Doge and other complete shit coins in 2017. And that backed me into being a Bitcoiner. And if I had never found those things, 100%. I would have never gotten here. Now, listen, I don't think outright that meme coins are good because they're wrecking people. But I think there's a lot of ways to convert people to being Bitcoiners and being toxic towards all of those people is not the path. Yeah, I, I, I agree. And I'm not saying that there's no place for the toxicity because I like, you know, you take you you can always point to the extreme examples and it's like okay like Craig Wright like is a is a, a yes, shithead uh, like you know yes. people like that need to be fucking yeah gone after but um yeah it's it's uh uh yeah dude I I I feel like you know everyone wants to skip the intellectual journey and there's no way to skip it like the intellectual journey is how you build conviction and and you know I don't want people to get wrecked and I don't think people like we should be in, intentional for people to get wrecked. But like getting wrecked is part of the way that you you learn what makes Bitcoin unique. I mean, I I wish I could skip getting getting wrecked as many times as I have. You know, there's a saying in Bitcoin. It's uh, your Bitcoin genus is not determined by how many Bitcoin you have. It's determined by how many Bitcoin you've lost. And so, so like, you know, like that's I, you know, some people like maybe Adam Back is born like galaxy brain, like has it all figured out. But for the everyday normal person. It's like they learn through experience and like, you know, like I have made every mistake you possibly can. And that's what's brought me to Bitcoin. And to think that like you can read a Twitter thread and just skip to the end of the line and be like, OK, I have absolute conviction on Bitcoin. I read something that Michael Saylor tweeted. It's like, no, you you can't like that's that's not how it works. So, you know, I think, uh, uh, you know, Bitcoin is sound money. Bitcoin is, uh, I think, humanity's only hope at, at, at building a better financial system. And so it deserves our focus and attention and it deserves to be pushed forward however we can. Um, but, you know, I don't think we have to look at everything that's not Bitcoin as some sort of attack on Bitcoin or some sort of, uh, um, you know, threat to Bitcoin. It's like, no, like, like Bitcoin is Bitcoin. Focus your energy there. Be zen about everything else. That's that's my my, my view on the matter. I basically agree a hundred percent with that. You know, I was saying earlier that I was just a consensus and you know coming to yours. The one thing I will notice that was glaring was no offshore exchanges advertising anything anywhere. When I walked into consensus last year, it was like the Binance floor and you know, like literally everything. I mean, I know for a fact that certain exchanges have told me that like their lawyers literally called them three weeks, a month before when they had a booth plan and said, don't do anything on American soil. So I, I know that's problematic for you. I mean, I, I, you know, I've talked to Mike, obviously, but like, yeah, this is, no, this uh, is war. I mean, this is war from the United States government, right? Like, don't even set foot on American soil with your booth, man. Like, that's what they told them. Yeah. You know, I mean, I kind of like roll my eyes at it a little bit because it's like, it's all just a game. It's like, you know, 
uh, BitMEX can't have a foot in the United States. So they have BitMEX research, you know, and it's like, okay, we're only going to talk about BitMEX research. And, you know, we don't have any customers from the United States. And like, nice. meanwhile, people are like on their phone, like VPN on, like logging in. <laughs> so it's like, I, I love BitMEX. I'm not saying that happens. It's just a hypothetical situation, but it's just like this big game of like, yeah, theoretically, this big game. And it's just, it's, it's so silly. I mean, it's, um, <clears throat> and, you know, that's that's like one of the the, the reasons I think um, the talking points around, you know, the U.S. government and Bitcoin, the, the, the they need to change because like we don't want to create an adversarial relationship with uh, with the government. We want to um, we want the government to see there being value in having this developed um, uh, on American soil. And so, like, I'm, I'm very bullish on this group, uh, Bitcoin uh, Policy Institute. Um, they just mm. did a, a summit in DC like last week, two weeks ago. It was I fantastic. They did a really good job. Um, and you know, they are they are flipping the talking points back at you know the politicians and you know, hey, you you want to project American power? Okay, Bitcoin's your tool. You believe in the American dream and the, the ideas of capitalism, property rights, and freedom. Great. That those are the the fundamental tenets of what Bitcoin's about. Oh, you believe in environmentalism okay bitcoin is environmental technology and so they're just like developing the academia um to be able to make that case to politicians and i think you know ultimately uh we're going to get buy-in on that on that view um but this whole kind of like shell game of like hey not on our our soil and then it's like okay uh you know coinbase now in the bahamas how many customers do you think they have in the bahamas a dozen you know, as many as FTX apparently had. I don't I don't know. <laughs> Although there were those like those people who managed to like get Bahamas FTX accounts and take money out while there was no yeah. withdrawals. But I guess that's yeah. a story for, for a different day. Uh, you, you described something earlier that was just really interesting. You know, you were talking about Grayscale and you said that's still a billion dollar business, right? I mean, it's a huge business, even if they do everything 100 percent the right way. I don't know why I want to talk about this because I don't, but that's a, that FTX. Like he literally owned a casino where he could legally allow people to hundred X and had free money and still somehow blew up tens of billions of dollars. Is it greed? Are, are these people? I don't think that Barry's stupid. I don't think that Sam was necessarily stupid. Like it's free yeah. money. All they have to do is run. All they all have to do is run straight up legitimate businesses, and it's literally free billions. You know, I don't. I don't know per se. I, you know, I think. Yeah. I think it's it's probably greed that gets them over their skis, and then once they're over their skis, the decisions are locked in. So, like you know, uh, with with Sam, I think Sam was. I've been told at least that Alameda was a Ponzi scheme way back in the day, and FTX was one. like a a way to bail out uh, Alameda. So for him, it's probably like you got to keep perpetuating the scheme because you got to keep making up for past mistakes. For Barry, it's not dissimilar in the sense of like, okay, I'm sure now if he if he didn't have the issues he was dealing with at at, at Genesis and at DCG, and it was like all this litigation can go away, the SEC can go away, Gary Gensler can go away, and all you need to do is cut fees from two to one percent and open up redemptions partially per you know for a finite amount of time, he would do it. It's now he's just stuck. He's he he can't do it. And so, you know, I think I think there's some of that. But you know, like at the end of the day, like that's that's not the victim's problem. That's your problem. And like, 100%. you know, yeah. So yeah. 
I don't know, man. It's 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 a tale of in, old time in Bitcoin. It's like yeah, and in know, Chapter Eleven, it seems like it is the customer's problem because we get to pay for all the lawyers, right? And so <laughs> no, that, that's, that's right. the problem. Is like yeah, it's not that's your problem, not the customer's. Well, actually, yeah, it's yeah. Uh, Some, when you watch half the money disappear someone, into the lawyers' pockets. Yeah, someone needs to tokenize a law firm, like a bankruptcy firm, and Seriously. then that way everyone can speculate on all the the payouts from the estates after the, uh, after. Oh, the I would totally do that. The the, the I mean, the, yeah, the the, the, the the outright winners of everything that's happened are bankruptcy attorneys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Those dudes are killing it. I, I had uh, you know this guy on recently who was kind of a Celsius whistleblower, and he was like, "I've been trying to get four million back from Celsius, and Celsius has spent more than four million fighting me on the four million that I'm trying to get back from Celsius." <laughs> Jason Stone. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, dude. I'm t- and- these guys are good. I mean, like if they just got in our industry and actually worked on industry, they would. They would excel because we clearly have no fucking clue what we're doing as like <laughs> amateur entrepreneurs. And these guys are just sharks. So anyway. <sighs> oh, anyway. man, I, I, I love what you guys are doing. I really hope that the GBTC thing gets sorted. Any Where can people uh, A, follow you and B, uh, get some tickets? Yeah. So we can so get that to 13,300 yeah, people let's, or something. Let's go. You know? let's go. Uh, so uh, you can follow me on Twitter, David F. Bailey. RedeemGBTC.com is the best place to get updates on that campaign. And uh, yeah, go to b.tc slash conference to sign up for the conference, see who's speaking, see the agenda and the content. Um, Scott, do you have a, a, a referral code? I don't, but uh, maybe I'll get one in time or something. Yeah, you should, you should score one. <laughs> But, you know, uh, everybody's uh, always like, yeah, I don't know. I just wanted to buy a ticket. Just go, man. Get there. Scott's referral code, you get an extra 10% off. So there you go. Oh, well, if uh, I get people free some money off, I'll, I'll do it. I don't want to get paid, though. It's fine. Cool. Cool. <laughs> uh, well, Scott, thanks for having me on and uh, look forward to seeing you in Miami. Absolutely, man. See you soon. Cool. Ciao. That's dope.